Hello, my name's Tom Walker. Welcome to That'll Be The Day. In this podcast, I'll be talking to two blind people about their positive experiences in employment. But before that, if you like the music at the start of this podcast, it's a track called That'll Be The Day by the Liverpool band The Vow. And at the end of this podcast, I'll be playing a track by the band, and to find out which one it is, you'll have to stay tuned. Now, whenever I talk to visually impaired people about the subject of work, it's invariably a tale of woe. It's estimated that some 75% of blind and partially sighted people of working age are on the dole. A shocking statistic. You do, however, occasionally come across some positive stories in which visually impaired people have been treated fairly and received all the support they need. Among them are Mark and Kerry Fielding, who live in Blackpool. They've recently taken up a new job, and so far, everything is going well. And hopefully, on the other end of this Zoom call are Mark and Kerry. How are you doing? We're good, good, thanks. Good, good, we're good. Day off, trying to get rid of some annual leave. <laughs> right, they give you annual leave there. How's lockdown been for you both? Not the negative experience, the wholly negative experience that some people have had. And what about you, Mark? I think I've had a very busy lockdown, to be honest. Well, running Ultimate Radio, which is the other podcast you and I did, along with yes. one or two others. Yeah. I mean, that must have kept you busy on its own. Well, I mean, certainly with, with the way that we stepped up at the start of lockdown pretty much a year ago, uh, this this last weekend, when we increased our, our, our live output, then, yeah, that kept me very busy. Given that you've been running um, a radio station and are now in full-time employment for an organisation called NHS BSA. I'm beginning to wonder where you found the time. But anyway, that's another issue. Perhaps, Mark, you ought to explain, first of all, the organisation that you work for, who they are and what they do. NHS BSA, who are they? NHS BSA are the financial and business side of the NHS. So uh, we deal with... Uh, a lot of the financial stuff. We deal with the funding for uh, student bursaries. We deal with NHS pensions. We deal with a lot of the products, uh, not talk about pharmaceutical products, but in terms of uh, financial products that the NHS uh, deals with, for example, prepayment certificates, which is one of the things we deal with. Other other kind of exemption from pensions. We also deal with pension pricing, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So with the, with the financial and business arm of the NHS. And Kerry, do you and Mark do the same job, or is, are there subtle differences? No, we do exactly the same job. Tell me what the job is then. What do you do? So we are call centre agents, and basically we are on prescription prepayment certificate and tax credits helpline. So people ring up with queries about whether they might be entitled to a tax credit exemption certificate or whether indeed they think they're entitled and why haven't they got one. Um, People who are on a lot of medication but aren't exempt because their financial situation is such that they can afford to or they are considered well off enough to be able to afford to pay for prescriptions so um we we help people buy slash renew prescription prepayment certificates so if you're on medication for a long-term issue then you can buy a prepaid certificate that costs you one figure and you can have an unlimited amount of nhs prescriptions which you then do not have to pay for and what 
technology do you use in terms of the NHS BSAs of applications? What do they need you to use, Kerry? We use a lot of web-based applications. We use a lot of bespoke um, applications. So we've got an, an application where we process PPCs or prescription prepayment certificates. That's a bespoke NHS web-based application. And we have things like data capture, which is an, is an older system, but the telesales and data capture kind of hold hands. They, they pass information backwards and forwards, and there are things that you have to do in data capture that the, you, you can't do in telesales and vice versa. Even things like our telephone service, that's all web-based, and we have to kind of set statuses depending on what we're doing. Our knowledge base, where we look up articles to give people advice if we're not sure of the answers. We had to have, when we got the jobs, we had to have a certain amount of scripting done in order that we could use the products and use them efficiently as a, a call centre agent who has sight. Mark, you and Kerry are both uh, JAWS users. JAWS is screen reading software. For people who don't know, could you explain exactly how JAWS works and then how well it works with all the um, applications that Kerry's just talked about? JAWS works by basically taking a scan of the screen and turning that into either a synthetic voice or into Braille so that you can you can read and access the information that is on the screen. For the applications that we use, because a lot of them use are web-based and use either Google Chrome or Microsoft Edge, they are off the shelf. They're relatively accessible, but there there is a difference between accessibility and usability. You can you can have something which you can access all the information on the screen, and therefore you could argue that it is accessible, but that might not necessarily be usable. What the scripting that we've had done has done for us has made it easier for us to navigate the screen and quickly get to the areas of the screen that we may need for a specific piece of information. So for example, if we have a caller on the line who wants to know a specific piece of information about their prepayment certificate or their tax credit exemption certificate, we may need to navigate very quickly because obviously a customer doesn't want to be uh, on the phone for you know 20 minutes when they can be on the, co- on, on the phone for two minutes. Uh, so we need to be able to access the screen or, or particular areas of the screen very quickly. And that's what the scripting has really done for us. There are the, the, the old software that Kerry referred to before, uh, which is a, uh, a program called Data Capture, that is not friendly in its raw state. However, I have to give a huge amount of praise to, to Brian Harchin, who's done an enormous amount of work on that to get it to, to actually work in a reasonable manner. He's done a phenomenal job in being able to make that both accessible and usable. You mentioned Mm -hmm. their scripting. And and just for people who don't know what that is, that's reprogramming of the JAWS software so that it works better with other applications, isn't it? Yeah, it it works. It makes it work more efficiently with other, not necessarily off, you know, kind of off the shelf on more bespoke software. So, for example, we use, as Kerry mentioned, we've got, we use an awful lot of bespoke software. So, in, in, in our case, Brian's had to come in, have a look at the software. He hasn't come in, he's done it all remotely. Well, he's done it all remotely because of lockdown. I mean, that's the incredible thing about it. You know, 12 months ago, he was literally about to come up and do the scripting, and suddenly we were in lockdown and he was going nowhere. So, we had to then think of a way of how we were going to do it. Uh, unfortunately it took about six months to work around those problems but we got there 
Kerry, when you were offered the job, did you know immediately that there might be a problem with the interface between JAWS and the NHSBSA applications, or did that take a while to emerge? We had a pretty good clue that, you know, there were going to be issues because we knew that there were, you know, it was bespoke software. So once you realised then that there were going to be issues, how did you handle that with the NHS? Because obviously they want you to start work straight away. Were they impatient? What, what was their response to all that? They were very positive about the whole thing. They just went with, you know, they went with everything that was thrown at them. Carolyn, who's the service delivery manager who was looking after us at the time, she just, she was so tenacious, just very visionary or progressive in the way she thought. It never occurred to her at any point that we weren't going to We weren't going to start these jobs. So much so that eventually when lockdown came around and we'd been waiting and waiting, she managed to get Brian and the software support at NHS BSA to kind of connect. And they managed to let Brian in so that he could script remotely from where he was. And she just said to us in the September, right, I've made the decision. You're starting in October And this is the role that you're going to do. Mark, one of the issues I think you encountered is access to work. And I don't want to go through all of the detail of what happened because I know it can be a fairly convoluted process. So let's look at this a different way. How could access to work be changed so that it works better for people like you and Kerry? They need to be more flexible for a start. They need to be able to take on board an individual person's needs So, for example, if somebody just needs a ramp putting in, maybe a door widening slightly or a desk that goes up and down a rising desk, then that's a relatively simple assessment process to go through. However, if it's somebody who may need a lot of scripting work on, on bespoke software like we did, that's a highly technical, highly specialised job and needs a highly technical and, and highly specialised report or assessment to be able to find out exactly what needs to be done, what equipment needs to be done, uh, what equipment needs to be bought and what software needs to be adapted. So that part of it needs to become more flexible and not just one size fits all because that simply doesn't work. They also need to be more efficient in terms of having an individual see your case right through because the problem is once one person's done their bit of the job, they pass it on to somebody else and you have no idea who that person is until they contact you. And if they've lost your form or if they're on annual leave or something like that, you could be sat around waiting for forever Um, and have no idea who to contact. And if you were to call in, the odds are the person who who answers the phone is unlikely to know who that person is either. So they need to develop a system where you have the same person seeing your case through from the moment you apply and start the application process to the moment that the last I has been dotted and the last T has been crossed. Can I add to that? You can go for it, yeah. I think from an employer's point of view, it's about giving the employer faith in employing blind people or people who need access to work for whatever reason. Mark, you and I both know of visually impaired people. 
who've had job offers withdrawn because there's been a problem with getting JAWS to work with bespoke software. Did you ever feel, Mark, that your job offer could be withdrawn or were you always confident that you'd get this over the line? I I don't think there was any stage that they were going to turn around and say, we can't do this, we're going to let you go. I don't think there was any stage that I, I thought that was the case. There were various stages that our role or what precisely what we were going to do has changed. And even while we were in that that phase between when we actually started in October and when we actually um, started doing our job proper in December, our role changed again, uh, simply because, you know, they just said, right, this isn't going to work for, ver- for various reasons. There are certain things that you will need to do, i.e. actually view images on a screen. That's not going to work because the OCR... Uh, the optical character recognition isn't good enough to be able to be precise enough for you to get to give the right information. So we're going to rethink it. Um, The the initial thought at the beginning of November was that we were going to go and and process emails while we, while we learned the role. And then we would go onto the phones later. Emails weren't going to work for precisely that reason because there were too many image attachments. So uh, they said, right, okay, well, we're just going to throw you straight on the phones then. 48 job, job hours done. notice. Yeah, we had 48 hours notice <laughs> that we were going to go on the phones. And But the thing is, you know, that that's the kind of organisation organization they are, is that, that right, okay, we see, we see there's a problem and we, we've got a solution to it. Do you think this solution is going to work for you? And we said, yes, it will work for us. I must admit that. And, you know, the, the prospect of, of, of taking a call with that kind of notice was fairly daunting. But actually, you know, you, you just kind of you roll with it. You know, we, we'd bought into as much as they would bought into us, we'd bought into them and the philosophy of the organisation, which is an incredibly positive philosophy. And Kerry, one of the things that's happened since you joined NHSBSA is that you've become the almost accessibility guinea pigs, haven't you? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. People are very aware of us or, and, and people are becoming more aware of us. We've got the software that we use for PPCs um, or prescription prepayment certificates. That has had a couple of updates since we joined the business. And at every stage, they've come back to us and said, can you test this, make sure it's accessible? Can you, they were going to take, we've got shortcut keys they were going to take them away and we were like, no, please don't do that. Mark's talked about uh, NHSBSA buying into you. And, you know, by any stretch of the imagination, they've shown an extraordinary level of commitment to getting things sorted for you and Mark. Gotcha. Why do you think they've done it? What was in it for them? They have shown an, an extraordinary level of commitment, but but it's the ethos throughout the, the whole business the one of the things you first learn when you go into training is the care word. And what care stands for is collaborative, adventurous, reliable, and energetic. You know, it's a very positive, we'll get together and we'll work as a team and we'll take, not risks is probably not the right word, but we'll think outside the box. You can rely on us. And we will make sure that we get it done to the best of our abilities. And that, and they're absolutely proven it time and time again. So, Mark, what advice would you give to blind and partially sighted people who maybe are about to start a job and are concerned over 
possible conflicts between JAWS and uh, bespoke technology, what would you say to them? I would say to them that they should be aware that there are going to be conflicts. That's the first thing. You know, be aware. It, it's it's pretty much 99% given there are going to be conflicts. There are going to be issues. However, with the, the right kind of support from A, your employer, and B, other organisations out there who can help with things like scripting, there are ways through them. Uh, there are solutions to this problem. It may take a while to be able to access those solutions and to be able to put those solutions into place. I think it's it's as much about the individual having a positive mindset as well as well as your employer. I think this is this is it, you know for this to work really well. I think it's it's a fifty. It's a meeting of minds. You know, you know when we were brought in to the business, we literally were presented with laptops that had jaws installed on them and the and the software not particularly scripted at the time i think that maybe one scripting session had taken place but we were given people to work with who had that mindset that collaborative mindset that adventurous mindset the reliability the energetic we had people working with us who to be honest, and they were very honest with us, said, look, we've never dealt with anybody who's blind before in either professional or personal capacity. But we just kind of went in there and said, right, it's fine. Let's let's just do this. We'll, you know, whatever. And we kind of, you know, did a few jokes and, and kind of a bit of mucking, a bit of icebreaking stuff, but not necessarily in the traditional sense that you might think of just just be ourselves. I mean, Tommy, you've known me for a long time, you know, 30-odd years. Or at least. And, and I am... Um, you know, a relatively sociable person who takes a, you know, a positive outlook on a situation. And they, they kind of bought into that. And there was a, there was a meeting of minds, which, which really worked in our situation. And there was, there was this philosophy of, yeah, it's not working, but we'll get it working. Question for both of you. It's a final question. There may be blind and partially sighted people listening to this, thinking about, well, I wouldn't mind having a job myself, really, um, but I don't know how to go about it. I'm a bit worried, a bit concerned, a bit anxious. What advice would you give them, Mark, first? Uh, <laughs> apply to an HSBSA. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I think the employment system as a whole in this country is not geared up for blind and partial sighted people to navigate at any stage particularly well i think that um a lot of jobs now are going through uh agencies agencies tend not to work particularly well with disabled people i've come a cropper there on a number of occasions but there, there are organizations out there who who will take a more positive slant on things who will take you on and say right okay there may well be issues along the way. The, the, you know, there are, there are going to be bumps along the road, but but actually our philosophy as an organisation is, yeah, we, we can sort this out. And, and NHS, NHSPSA is an example of that. I would say it can be soul-destroying, but don't give up because there are businesses out there. Not every business is narrow-minded, short-sighted, uneducated and there are people out there businesses probably bigger ones but you know not necessarily I guess that's Mark and Kerry's experience and it only remains for me to say thank you to you both for your time thank you thank thanks you. for speaking to us 
Okay, this is a part of the podcast I know you've all been waiting for. Which vowel track am I going to choose? Well, as a podcaster and radio journalist, there could only be one track for me, surely. Someone to talk to. Words that liberate, free your mind of hate. Words that simply state, I love you. Words that crucify, make you wonder why. Words that pacify, still fail you. What I wouldn't give, what I wouldn't do For someone to talk to How I needed to, how I wanted you For someone to talk to Someone to talk to